Mike stared in disbelief as his hands fell off. From them rose millions of tiny maggots. Maggots? Maggots. 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 All over the floor of the post office in Leytonstone. One of you is the monster. Monster? We're British, you know. Hello, my name's Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very British horror. So, Paul, would you like to do the honours and say what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, today we are going into the mind of Dreamweaver Garth Marenghi and looking at his dark place. Well... I tell you what, Paul, that is brilliant, but because that's comedy and not horror, and because we're horror experts, we need someone to help us, someone who knows about comedy. So maybe we should, like, this second, dial up a special guest. Okay, you can pretend to dial up somebody if you want. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to introduce our uh, special guest, um, Mr. Alex Finch. I've just dialed up Alex Finch. Yes. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you for the first time in my life. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, so, Alex, you're, you're the editor of Comedy to Watch, the comedy-based um, website, and you're an expert on comedy. Is that a fair? Oh, it's very kind of you to say that, and uh, thank you. And I try, I try. It's something I've been passionate about for many years, and, uh, yeah, I've been doing comedy to watch for a couple of years now and we're almost as popular as the other free british comedy websites out there yes so i i, I feel your pain as as <laughs> uh, but but at least paul cornell hasn't come up with a comedy website yet to write. anyway i'm not bitter about that <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't it's very kind of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. if it helps i i, I was a big fan of his uh, shadow police series and then i read the written Witches of Lichford, and it's shit. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it doesn't help because we probably shouldn't be starting a war with the Hammer Horror podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will all be nicely edited out, except it won't because I always say that and I never edit it out. No, no that, <laughs> but this will be edited out. Yeah, let's edit that. Good, no, good. We, could, well, we could just leave it in. Uh, any, anyway, let's talk about. Uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which was a Channel 4 sitcom from the early noughties. Um, so, That's so right, I me- 2004. I remember, I remember watching it at the time and, and, and enjoying it. Um, it's, so we, we, talk, we have talked before about the kind of two different kinds of comedy horror. Uh, you've got kind of horror films with a bit of comedy, uh, oh, horror film, TV, whatever, with a bit of comedy. Um, but then you've got like straight parodies, like um, uh, Scary Movie is a parody of Scream, that that kind of thing. And, and uh, Garth Marenghi's, it's a parody, isn't it? Rather than rather than the other kind. It's and the the first like real proper comedy that we've ever looked at like this. I would say it's a it's a parody of something that doesn't. Exist or didn't really exist at that time. 
I'm going to unfortunately step in here and, and completely ruin Paul's uh, suggestion there because it's heavily, heavily influenced by Lars von Trier's Kingdom or Rij. Hang on, wait, what? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> this is genuinely true. It's not my own insanity talking. Uh, it's basically I've... The Searchers and Citizen Kane as well, yeah? It is that no, in, in 1994 and 1997, <laughs> uh, Lars von made two TV series uh, set in a hospital which is based in a kind of mist-filled, mysterious environment where all kind of crazy uh, things would ensue. It's not just me. There's a, if you uh, look up the Quietus article on Kingdom, it, it mentions Dark Place and how heavily influenced it is by it. Um, so yeah, and also you know the scenes where Rick is driving around in the little buggy. Yeah, yeah, that's directly stolen uh, from uh, from Kingdom or like the little buggy. Yeah, the little buggy is something which uh, one of the main characters travels around in in the two mini series. So so Paul, I think Alex is going to insist on there being like a factual basis to the things we say uh, yeah I, i'm not sure he's really listened to to any of our other episodes because that's not how we do things i'm deeply sorry i apologize it won't happen again oh that, that, is, that is very interesting though yeah, let, let's go back is, okay go well, on well i, no, I was going to say the other thing the other thing it's sort of based on it, it is those i mean it has a lot in common with with crappy 80s uh, action programs as well doesn't it like the a-team and the the C steve and jay cannell uh um sort of action shows I think yeah. a it, bit it does like the apparently and and, and the mu specifically the music and hmm. um there's there's the bit at the beginning where he's typing on the typewriter and chucking hmm. a bit of paper around and i remember that that was was it was that a glenn a larson donald p bellazaro wasn't it one of them it was uh was yeah it was a sort of little uh indent thing at the end of an episode um so, so it's according sort of playing on that to alice lowe uh, she asked matthew holness for sort of advice about how to approach her character and he just told her to go away and watch tj hooker <laughs> exactly yeah uh, oh okay I mean, I, I, no no, no I've got, I, there's the something about that there really is something about that because um, I think she gets the thin end of the wedge, doesn't she? Mm, mm, um, I agree. <laughs> so, so, so uh, that's that. That sounds very much like the kind of direction she was getting. Sorry, sorry, Paul. <laughs> no, no, but then, it, then that that's the that's sort of the the point. I think in that it's it, it's you know those sorts of shows did very much sideline the, the women and were very very uh, sexist about it. But, but uh, I think she, she gets sidelined. Quite apart from that, she's not allowed to do any of the talking head stuff because <laughs> her character's apparently missing. <laughs> but, yeah. but, Questionably murdered by Thornton Reed as well. <laughs> uh, isn't isn't there a thing though that, that I, I think I read that they originally it was just going to be the Dark Place um, TV show uh, in its entirety, but then the talking heads bit was something they added on afterwards. And it wasn't originally going to be part of it, so it may have been that that she wasn't available to do those bits. 
because they were quite hastily put together. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's certainly one explanation. But what I wanted to do, though... Well, that's is, the actual explanation. Well, is, is it, <laughs> well yeah. I, I mean, it is if she, she actually said anywhere, or anyone said anywhere, that she wasn't available to do that. Um, but I haven't seen that. Alex, would you like to comment on, on this? Well, I think it ties in with very deliberate choice to have women treated appallingly. I mean, it's, I think it's supposed to be part of the joke. Um, I mean, like in the DVD extras, those two half an hour interviews, um, the way sort of Garth and Thornton talk about women is horrifying. I mean, Thornton, we read basically advocates having sex with 13-year-old girls. Um, <laughs> that is horrifying. <laughs> it really is. It, and it, it's interesting because, I mean, they're quite happy for Thornton and Garth to be shown to be quite abhorrent people. Um, and again, there's like a... In, in one of the uh, sort of uh, interviews that they did, sort of Garth sort of said, it was in the sixth episode of Man to Man with Dean Lerner, um, where he talks about how he was such an angry young man and he hated women, but he hadn't actually met any at that point. And now he has, he thinks they're all right. <laughs> but um, I think there's a disdain for women and that's supposed to be part of the joke. And I hope that's why Alice Lowe gets the thin edge of the, uh, the stick, as it were. Yeah, okay, so we, we might come back to that. But what I wanted to do, if it's okay with both of you, is to go back to the um, germination of the Garth Marenghi character. So, I mean, um, my understanding is that um, it comes from two um, successive Edinburgh shows, essentially. Uh, Garth Marenghi something and then Garth Marenghi something else. Alex, you might have the actual <laughs> I know the second one is called Neverhead. Um, oh, it's Fright so... Night or something, isn't it? The, the, the it first is. One. Yes, yes. You've refreshed my memory. Thank you. And um, so, so they're, they're um, so Matthew Holness and Richard Bioady. Um, I don't think I said that correctly. I've been practicing. I don't think I said that correctly. I apologize. Uh, and Alice Just Lowe were all in, um, were, 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 all, were all in the stage show, uh, but Matt Berry wasn't. Uh, both, in fact, both stage shows, that, that was the, the case, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And the first one was nominated for a Perrier Award, but didn't win. Uh, who, who knows which which Oxford or Cambridge review beat it? Um, but then the, <laughs> the, 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 the the second one did win the Perrier Award. It did. That's right. Um, and and then it goes straight into uh, Channel Four, a well-worn path, and 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 we have Dark Place. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Holness had done a little bit of uh, work elsewhere. He's in the office in one episode. Uh, he was also occasionally working with the Mighty Boosh, who, of course, both appear in Dark Place. So, uh, but yeah, essentially, though, this was the first thing that he did for TV that he wrote. And, of course, Richard, whose surname I won't attempt to say, and I'll just call him Richard the whole way through, uh, directed it as well. I-O-R-D. I think that's it right um yes and actually um the direction is is quite strong um that so in the second episode uh hell hath fury there's the the scene where um alice lowe's character liz uh goes 
crazy, doesn't she? It's a bit of a like Carrie kind of uh, parody. But but mm. she she's depicted really like the bit at the end where she's up in the air, the crazed look on her face. So I'm thinking this is quite an effective scene in a horror film. This is this is um, there's a parody element of it, obviously with the screwdrivers, but but it, it's actually quite well directed. <laughs> it, it's it's almost too well directed for the '80s format because the format of this show is that it's Garth Marenghi looking back from the early noughties at his uh, unseen uh, 80s uh, TV show, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And he, and, and he always, the six episodes of this, the standalone stories, it always starts the same way with him reading from one of his terrible books and, and <laughs> then explaining about the episode. And actually the sequence of shots is always the same, isn't it? It's, it's, it's always... Yeah sitting down and going down the stairs and into the, um, into the archive. Um, and, and, then, and then the dark place uh, proper starts. So, um, so that, that, that's, that, that, that's the format anyway. And um, I think as, as I was say, saying that, that, that then it's a, it is a parody of Lars uh, von Trier. I'm not entirely sure that's exactly uh, who he, who they're parodying. I think it's a parody. Genuinely is. There's lots of well, people uh, who will back this up. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. That's that. If you watched Kingdom, you would be shocked no, by no, just no, how no, often. What, what, I mean, it's not. Maybe it's pastiching it, Lars von Trier, but it's it's parodying um, Sean Hudson. And James Herbert and Clive Barker, the kind of 80s British wannabe Stephen Kings, isn't it? That's certainly a big aspect of it. And Garth's character, his character is definitely his character's definitely uh, that. I don't the the TV show, I think I can probably, um, I've only ever seen clips of Kingdom, but I think I I think Alex is probably right on that. But yeah, Garth Marenghi himself is, is, yeah, James Herbert. Rolled into Sean Hudson and probably Guy and Smith. Was it? Or was it Guy? No. Yeah, that's right. I think wrote the Crabs books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you are correct. It is. Uh, it is Guy. Apparently, as well, I was watching an interview with Matthew Holness uh, that they did for the tenth anniversary, uh, and William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist. <laughs> Uh, it was apparently a major influence. And if you watch the DVD extras for The Exorcist, he speaks, he's in this leather jacket and he's incredibly pretentious talking <laughs> nonsense. But yeah, I mean, Holness there says it's Friedking, it's King, it's Hudson, it's Smith. Yeah. It's a mixture of all of them. Okay, that's, that's, that, I mean, that, that's interesting. Um, William Friedkin, really? <laughs> Who'd have thought it? So. <laughs> yeah, but but actually, what you what you what you what you've done there is kind of honed in on something, right? That, that it's actually parodying stuff I don't like. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the Exorcist. I um I, I don't I don't like eighties horror. Really, I don't like um I, I don't I don't like the books, and I, I don't like particularly eighties horror films. So. Uh, what what you would think is what well, I would think is that I would enjoy a parody of something I do like, uh, like uh, Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible, which is a like parody of all the great Hammer films and, and things. Mm-hmm. But but um, 
No, but it sucks, doesn't it? That I, I don't yeah. like Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible, and I do like Garth Rengi. Um, I do enjoy it, and I, and I, I, I wonder. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I like. Maybe parody works when it's parodying something you've got no affection for. <laughs> something it's like, yeah, I know that sucks. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so I mean, it, it kind of challenged the way I thought that parody worked. But, but, but Alex, I defer to you. Well, I do kind of like these. I mean, I see them as very trashy in the first place. Maybe not The Exorcist, but certainly the James Herbert kind of really tacky horror. Um, I've got a real fondness for them. So I don't know. It's difficult. I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, but but generally, shouldn't parody be like, like if you like Harry Potter, you read Barry Trotter and laugh all the references. Is that, well, I mean. Well. (laughs) 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 Uh, I've read one page of Barry Trotter in the charity shop thinking, wonder what this is like. Oh, oh dear God. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But you, it's a turd in book form. Uh, but yeah, uh, I see what you mean. And I, I think you can enjoy, obviously, uh, things you've got an affection for. Um, I think if I was passionate about 80s horror, I might not enjoy it so much because you'd probably take it a bit too seriously. Whereas that's obviously not the point here well yeah yeah i guess you're passionate and po-faced and actually a word on james herbert james herbert isn't that bad it's i mean i I, haunted i did quite like wait one day we should cover haunted but um because the movie that was all right the book i read i I think i think the early james herbert books like the rats and and that kind of thing i think it it, it's very much like that And, and some of the the, the passages and everything are quite funny yeah. um, and, and, and I think they kind of resemble um, what what's brilliant about it is is this whole weird this 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 thing to have something really horrific happening and then for it to be just somewhere dull and boring um, like the, the the thing about the post office oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> in Leightonstone <laughs> And, and the fact that the Dark Place Hospital is in Romford. Yes. Um, and I think sort of stupid stuff like that. And and I think a lot of the, the, the uh, certainly the early James Herbert books, um, also have that weird disconnect where something very horrible and horrific is happening uh, somewhere fairly mundane. And the mundanity of it is a big part, I feel. And it's the, the way they juxtapose very average boring kind of scenes from one moment to then something very strange and bizarre happening. I, I think that's what it's a big, oh, sorry, did you hear that there? That was my no. computer making a loud pinging noise. Uh, no, we, but didn't, yes, we I, didn't hear that. You just, you just seem to get distracted at nothing. Like, like, a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like a strange lunatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just scrolling through my document and it got to the bottom of the page and it, yeah anyway um, what's that Chucky you want me to kill them all <laughs> <laughs> but yes I do uh, no, um, so yeah no I just think it yeah, pulls absolutely right the mixture of the mundane and the bizarre is well key elements okay. to it working so so um, this is the Stephen King idea uh, is, isn't it that, that you know for horror to really work it has to be rooted in the everyday and, and, I, and I don't think that that, that um, 
has always translated successfully to British horror because our um, idea of, of horror is gothic. So, so we don't want it in the everyday. It seems ridiculous. We want it in like, like medieval Europe somewhere or something like that or, or Victorian England or, or, or somewhere that seems far away and remote. That's how uh, yeah. British horror sort of works. Um, so, so I think, it, I, I, I mean, what, what we've got here of the whole, it's ridiculous, it's Romford. Well, that, that's kind of um, really parodying when, when probably when these authors tried, tried to take the Stephen King approach um, and put it into a British uh, setting. And it just seems, it actually does seem weird. And, and we, you, you say, oh, it's a post office in Leytonstone. That, I think that's how some of that really comes across. <laughs> I think the... I think the thing is, though, is that um, I think it, it can be done okay, and I think it can work. I think the whole point is, is that Garth is Garth Marenghi is actually crap at it. He's not a very good author. Fair point. A very fair point. And and, it is, and yeah. so he's he's not good at at doing getting it right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's inarguable. In fact, I think I think that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but but maybe maybe um, I like I like that part of it because I kind of recognise it. So th- th- therefore, you, you you've got something that's that's rooted in truth, and therefore I'm entertained by it. So it does show that maybe wholeness and uh, Richard had a really good. Uh, <laughs> basic understanding of, of what it was that they were sending up which is which really does help yeah i mean holness has spoken in interviews just how much he loves horror and, and certainly it's where he's now the direction he's taken he's given up on comedy and uh, it's just can't he says it's a young man's game um but yeah I, I think that's absolutely right and his passion for horror and you can't make something like this without loving the genre so he's a very brave man isn't he because you know if he makes a film that's not very good it's going to be another clangor from garth Rinky, isn't it that's what people are going to review it as so he's very brave to go into horror for real <laughs> luckily uh, and i know we're going to talk about this a bit later but possum uh, his full-length horror debut is astonishingly weird and strange and unsettling and it's nothing like uh, anything he's done before because uh, almost everything else you can see the roots of dark place i mean in the gum for george uh he's playing an author again and smutch he's an author um okay that's just two things he's done but <laughs> you get the idea <laughs> yeah but again i think i think there's a lot of um his the, the IT person in um, the office, which he also was in a number of sketches for a sketch show where he played the same character. I yeah, the wildly called. unpopular uh, series Bruiser. Yeah, that's it. Bruiser. Um, oh, yeah. So, so, um, but again, that's that's very similar to the um, to Garth Marenghi because again, it's somebody who's uh, very kind of. Um, uh, sort of self-important and uh, of, thinks his opinion matters, matters more than any, everybody else's and that he's uh, re- really a bit of a genius. And I think that Garth, Garth Marenghi is exactly the same, same sort of character. Um, 
Yeah, there's absolute self-confidence that yeah. he's the best in the business, backed up by the extraordinarily strange but really quite sort of lovable relationship he has with Thornton Reed, who genuinely yeah. thinks that Garth is just <laughs> astonishing and amazing <laughs> and couldn't do any wrong. And uh, it's, yeah, I think that's another... I mean, for me... One of the reasons I like Garth Marenghi so much is because you get the 80s horror parody, but then you have this second batch of characters uh, in the actors and who play them who are given really rich backstories as well. So it's kind of like two shows for the price of one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I just what I wanted to talk... Um, yeah about was the actors so um because you've, you've gone into matthew holness um but we've also got uh matt berry as uh sanchez sort of lucian sanchez psychic and i think this is matt berry's first major comedy role i don't know if that's if that's correct or not um but but he's already doing the voice, the Matt the, Matt, the <laughs> voice, isn't he? Um, and, and, and obviously he is um, still in, very much in comedy, in horror comedy, even what we do in the shadows. That's very good. Um, but he's, he's made and he's but he's made a lot of um, he's made a lot of stuff. He's done a lot since since this, and this was really his his big break, wasn't it? It was, yes. The same year he was in a couple of other things. It all seemed to burst out. He's in four episodes of The Mighty Boosh. Uh, he's in the really quite fun ADBC, a rock opera, which I think were all shot roughly around the same time. But yeah, before Garth Marengo's Dark Place, he'd done one short film, uh, and that was it. So, And he'd done some TV presenting. Uh, and of course, you mentioned the voice. Uh, I dug up a clip uh, of, of, I think it's Dot Game TV, where he he speaks. And Paul uh, commented, "It's like an Essex wide boy. It's so weird listening to what is his real voice compared to the voice that he's used in comedy ever since." I did wonder though if that actually was his real voice because. Um, I don't know much about whatever that TV program was, but he's obviously trying to be, um, he's trying to do that. I think in all, all sincerity, trying to do a youth presenter type, <laughs> type is, sort yeah. of voice. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a slight exaggeration of his actual voice. I'm at the Gauls Green Riding School where Agent Collins has sent me to investigate and you're not going to believe this. A computer game version of the 80s plastic toy, My Little Pony. The thing is, and I never told him this, when it comes to our four-legged friend, I am the two-legged wuss. But if I'd have told him that, I wouldn't have got the job, and I need the work. So let's have a look. Again, I, I, think, I think Matt Berry's one of those people that is still, even though he's everywhere, and, and you know, does music and acting and comedy and like if you ever listen to absolute radio he's the voiceover on that and he's just everywhere he still seems to be quite a mysterious person you don't know there's an awful lot sort of known about him in a lot of ways either that or i just have missed it which is quite possible I have to admit, I've not read many interviews with him. And I, I mean, the ones I have, I sort of, before this, I looked one up and he did a long interview about his 
record collection and the music that he loves. Uh, but yeah, I found very little actually about him uh, and what he, you know, his personal life, what his passions are, or what he even enjoys comedy-wise. So I think you're right. Yeah, he, he keeps himself to himself, certainly, unlike, I think, the others involved in these series. So the only thing I know about Matt Berry is that before he was famous, he worked in the London Dungeon. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find anything out of him. <laughs> I did try. Um, but so, so you've got um, you've got Matt, Matt, and Richard who went on to fairly stellar careers in 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 comedy afterwards. Um, but then well, they did, apart from Richard, because I'm not going to pronounce his uh, name. Seems Bioardi. Awardi just seems to have given up uh, over the last few years. Uh, I know he had a lot of trouble getting financing for the double, and, and that frustrated him when its actual reception was quite poor as well. And, and now he seems to be just getting by being a TV presenter, and I think that's such a shame given how talented he is. Yes, although presenting in the Crystal Maze is, um, you, you know, that that's, that's a pretty good gig. I don't think I'd turn that down. True, and there is something <laughs> I really like uh, in the in the DVD extras, the half an hour, two half an hour interviews. Uh, Fontam Reed uh, or Dean uh, Lerner says that he believes the great TV shows are over with, and he says T.J. Hooker, Dukes of Hazard, The Crystal Maze, uh, and that just. <laughs> Really tickles my fancy, as it were, given that he now, of course, presents it. So. <laughs> no, that, no, that that is good. Um, but, but also, as well as um, wholeness going into um, independent film, Alice Lowe has a, as well, hasn't she? She she did Pre-Revenge, which I yeah, think... which is excellent. I loved that. I will agree that that is uh, it's very good. Sorry. It's almost the kind of plot which could have been an episode of Dark Place, a woman whose unborn child starts talking to her. Uh, is a, a typical of the kind of nonsense that Garth Marenghi would write. But she just managed to make it very real and very human and, and just really darkly funny. And uh, it's a really great film, I think. One of Garth Marenghi's books was Afterbirth, which is actually about um, something along those lines. It's about a mutant afterbirth. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so drilling down more in, into the cast, I think Kim Noble has a supporting role, doesn't he? They both, he and his uh, one-time duo partner Stuart Silver both appear in the series. That's right. So, so uh, Kim Noble's like the other Doctor, isn't he? So, who's uh, he's it's kind of like a porter sort of a it's a guy called jim uh if i remember correctly. oh yeah okay so he's in a white coat doctor porter it's all the same isn't it <laughs> so, but yeah yeah he plays jim uh he's in about four of the episodes uh i really like kim noble uh he has produced two quite horrifyingly deranged but amazingly funny solo shows over the last 10 years one of which was called kim noble must die and when he performed it at Edinburgh, he basically said, right, at the end of the run, at 3.30 in the morning, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to jump off this bridge unless someone is there to stop me. 
And he was there at 3.30 in the morning. And luckily about 100 people turned up. And uh, whether or not he would have gone through it or not, it's open to question. But he's been very public about his mental health struggles and created a lot of quite stunning comedy from it. So he has a new podcast out at the moment, which features Julian Barrett as God. So I'd recommend it if you've not yet heard it. I haven't. Sounds good. Um, and, and we've also got Stephen Merchant as the hospital chef. An amazingly fast-talking Stephen Merchant as well, which uh, just amused me because he's normally quite sort of low-key. And uh, in this, yes, he's just kind of rattles off the dialogue. So I, I think you, you mentioned that, that Wholeness has been in the office. I think he's also in Cemetery Junction. So there's obviously like a, a, a two-way... Uh, but uh, well, obviously part of the comedy mafia along with Gervais and Merchant. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and Stephen Merchant's in a couple of episodes in small roles, he, but he's very good. And obviously he, another one who went on to bigger and better things. Um, mm-hmm. Well, bigger things anyway. Uh, and um, now, and then the last one I want to call out is Problematic. Um, you've also Do we have to? I know who you're going to talk about here. <laughs> Graham Linehan as the, the security guard. And, and all I really want to say is it's the guy that, that wrote Father Ted and, and, and you know, uh, has done absolutely nothing since. And don't look at Twitter. <laughs> Do not look for him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's wonderful that he retired <laughs> after Dark Place uh, and never was heard from again, like you say. Yeah, I, I actually, it's only you mentioned this because I actually, it did affect me when I was watching it. And I, he came up on screen and I'd forgotten he was in it. I was like, oh, for, and swore loudly because his views are so abhorrent that it, it spoiled the episode a little bit that he was in. Um, well, so, the two so, episodes he's in. So, yes. Although in, fa- yeah, I know it's very hard to it's take kind it out of, of like, And I'm going to be careful here. I won't, it's kind of, it's not the same as Jimmy Savile suddenly making an appearance, but it's still somebody whose views uh, I find are abhorrent and that he has upset and caused so much misery uh, to the trans community. community. And, and yeah, I, if I could edit him out of the series, that's the only thing i change about it. He, he is only in it for like about... 30 seconds that you could edit him out and it'd be fine yeah yeah i think that needs to happen we need to start a petition to them to, no, no, to no, I, I, don't, I, I don't want him edited out i want I, I, a to reshoot those scenes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i just wanted to um steer us away from this subject slightly Sensible. and get back onto the <laughs> get back onto the, 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 the subject of um, stephen merchant and his, his fast talking because actually there's a lot of that and there's a lot of um uh, Thornton Reed does it a lot mm. um, and, and and it's in his program it's obviously a sign of somebody who who, who can't act and he's just literally rattling the um, the, 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 the lines off uh, and and that's that's also I think part of the beauty of the the fact that this is done it's quite hard to do something and I want to sort of talk a bit more about this but it's quite hard to do something badly um, and do do it badly well if that makes sense and i think this does manage to do that i think you're right absolutely does make sense doing bad acting is very difficult and they do it 
um, Richard has kind of criticised his own abilities as an actor, but I think uh, he's been far too self-deprecating because he is amazing in it. He's it's so good as a bad actor, and uh, yeah, I think he's one of the reasons the series is so good. And I think the DVD extras where he's being interviewed as Thornton Reed show how good an actor, a comedic actor, he can be. You know, because yeah. he's such so, a I, I, different character. So I hate to be pedantic, but is he being active interviewed as Thornton Reed or as Dean Lerner? Sorry, I stand. You are one hundred percent right. Yes. <laughs> so when he's Dean Lerner, he's playing a completely different character. You're right, and, uh, and and he's brilliant at it. And can I just say as well, one of the other things that's absolutely fantastic about this this whole thing, and, and the, uh, if you get the DVD and everything as well, is that. Nowhere really, apart from at the very end credits, is anyone actually their real names ever mentioned. So throughout the whole thing, they're all these these actors doing that, um, that stems that, and, from. And even if you if you if you listen to the commentary on the DVD, it's them doing that as the actors in the program. Yeah, that stems all the way back to the Edinburgh shows, where wherever yeah. they did any press, it was in character, and they refused to ever be themselves, which I love about it as well. So yeah. you know, they did like proper method for this. That is, yeah, that yeah. is good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, a joke I think um, Robert Downey Jr. also deployed, didn't he, for that Tropic Thunder film? But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> rather less successfully. <laughs> it hasn't aged well, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't much good to begin with. Um. No. <laughs> Just you were mentioning about the cast. Uh, I want to be extraordinarily nerdy just because I found this out. Um, but there's one member of the cast you don't mention. Uh, and that's when they show a photograph of the two technicians uh, who died in the Scotch Mist episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, and one of those technicians is the director of Paddington and Paddington 2, Paul King. So that's, that's a really nerdy <laughs> fact about the series. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he was an associate director on, on Dark Place. So uh, he went on, of course, to create pretty much the greatest British film ever made Paddington 2. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not even joking there either. I uh, love that film so much. <laughs> I also love that film. I do. I do. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Sadly, we are unable to cover it in, on this podcast. But... Well, it's, I feel it's very traumatizing <laughs> when he goes to prison. Um, I was. <laughs> oh, okay, there's an argument to be made. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry, I, uh, I went off on a bit of a tangent then. Uh, so you, you mentioned the Scotch Miss episode. That's um, where, where it's kind of de- deliberately racist. Uh, that, and, and that's, uh, we are skirting quite a fine line because you already mentioned earlier that it was kind of uh, ironically misogynist. But then, 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 then the Scotch Miss episode, which they pick, you, you know, what they think, probably quite a, a safe target and they have these um, because they have like the Monty Python style Scottish characters don't they <laughs> <laughs> like, like, um, yeah. and, and, and you know that is for something in the early noughties that, that is kind of like brave slash actually just like just don't do this even as a joke um, I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it comes across too badly, but I'm not sure I found it that funny. 
that, that, that I think I wasn't I, I understand where you're coming from. I think the fact that he basically apologizes at the end and says, I sorry, <laughs> I was wrong. I can see of, that now. He apologizes by buying the Matina shortbread. He does. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, and if you've met a Scottish person, <laughs> that is how you placate them. Uh, he's done his research there. And, um, Again, that's, isn't that another sign of like how absolutely ignorant and but also totally self-confident Garth Marenghi is? Absolutely. In that he's written that as like the way of showing that you know, he's, he's he, they're not racist and they're all kind of um, friends and everything now. And it's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's another bit of that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, but I, I think this, you know, I mean, this program does, you know, there is a risk as with anything that, any comedy that ages, I think comedy particularly, that it becomes offensive over time. And, you know, we've seen that with Little Britain. Little Britain was very successful, and and this kind of era wasn't it? It was certainly still running then this time, um, and and that has fallen foul of you know just featuring stuff that's unacceptable now. Whereas I don't think, think I, I don't think Garth Rengi does, uh, but but uh, I, th- no, I, I mean really Little Britain is no, it's, it's Little Britain is blacking up. It's being offensive to trans individuals, whereas this is just mocking people from Scotland. And there's enough dialogue. Like Sanchez at one point goes, my aunt lives in Scotland. She says it's quite nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And okay, Rick immediately hits back with, well, she's wrong. Uh, <laughs> but it's being, but it's, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's being mocked by, it's sort of because it's being mocked by these sort of ignorant characters it, yeah, it and it's setting sort of itself works. up. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like at no point are you going, um, yeah, no, that, that these characters are really cool. Look how I totally agree with them about how bloody no. bastard Scots people. <laughs> that, I agree. I see where this is, is going from. And yeah. there's a couple of ginger jokes which I thought were a bit weak rather than offensive and just like oh that's a bit lazy but a majority of it i think they get away with just because yeah and of course they've always got they've always got the defense that it's a 1980s tv show so i, that I think too. the format works in in that regard i think i think it i think it does i but i don't think because comedy of this of this era did use the oh i meant that ironically defense quite a lot um, yeah, but, yeah, uh, 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 and I'm not sure that the, the, that defense always holds up these days. But you know, Garth Garth Marenghi, I, I, I don't find it problematic. Um, I, I think there's only one part uh, which I did, and that's in the fourth episode, the uh, the Apes of Wrath. At one point, Dean uh, says, "Come on, you two queers, we need to lick this problem before it turns around <laughs> and slaps us in the nuts." I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it. Yeah. Okay. That. That is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really. That was <laughs> yeah. the only time I found myself wincing and just going, Yeah. And <sighs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, okay. Yeah. I'll, 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 but I think what you, you say you, is you like fall into the same trap there, Alex. I think that, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm quoting uh, rather than saying it as my own opinion, uh, and you're laughing instead of acting horrified, which I'm appalled by. Uh, yeah 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 it's nervous laughter i'm sure you <laughs> <laughs> 
Good. Uh, yeah. I believe you. No, no. no. no but, Chris but, is gay, of course, so he's allowed to laugh at these things. So, <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> do not go there. Right. Okay, sorry. Uh, right, so um, I want to come back, though, because cause I just think that um, Alice Lowe's uh, absence from the um, from from the co- the commentary and the the way the way she doesn't seem to be like in on the joke because uh, because you know this is a wholeness and um, IOLD uh, thing they are the main the main characters and the creators aren't, aren't they and she just seems not to be as involved so I I I, I don't I'm a bit troubled as to whether the kind of the Obviously, there's ironic misogyny, but but but, but whether you, you know there, there's also not misogyny, but just, this is kind of a um, you know a bloke's thing. This is like two guys, and they put like a token girl in it, and all the rest of the characters are most they're they're, they're men, aren't they? I, I, I'm not sure this is you know amazingly inclusive. This program. No, I mean <laughs> the only other major character is the uh, the woman who basically is becoming broccoli in the sixth episode and then again she doesn't get much to do apart from simper over just uh you know how much she loves sanchez and uh yeah i, I agree it's unfortunate i love liz because she's so deranged and i certainly think that you know the the sort of hell hath the fury uh episode is shows off alice lowe's amazing comedic talents mm. but i wish she was used a little bit more often and i wish she was in the interview section as well and so, so i tell you i'll tell you for why um th- th- these concerns kind of crystallized for me uh when i watched the garth Marenghi episode of man to man with dean Lerner, uh, and, and i'm like okay <laughs> the, 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 the ironic misogyny in here just doesn't work. It's just actually misogyny. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, that's how it comes across now. Uh, I know it's it's still from like 2006 and actually did change a bit. But but you you know um, I mean he, I mean man to man with Dean Lerner, which is what um, it's what they did instead of a second series of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh, yeah, they wanted to do a second series, but basically Channel Four. Turned them down. Was yeah, it, because I, it, I, it wasn't, wasn't very it. popular, was it? No, it wasn't apparently. A at the time, it was quite. It uh, wasn't quite um, low ratings. They were uh, they were talking about a second series. They had meetings. Apparently, one of the ideas was that uh, Rick's cousin would be an inpatient uh, in the hospital and also a horror novel author. And it was supposed to get extremely meta. And Channel Four went, "Ah, that sounds horrible." Uh, and <laughs> told them to go away. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they were they were they were wrong, but then um, but man to man would. Dean Lerner is just uh, kind of, for me, a, a format that has issues because it takes the, uh, I mean, obviously, as the title suggests, it, it, but it does take the uh, ironic misogyny, you know, quite a bit further. But it opens, doesn't it? There's like a, it's set in a gentleman's club with a, with a, with a barmaid who's there to look pretty. And, and, um, and, and they, yeah, I, I, 
I, I don't I, I don't know. Um, for me, because yeah. I watched that that episode, and, I, and and the only thing that really worked in it was the two minute clip of the Garth Marenghi film uh, War of the Wasps, which is like a, a parody of the Death Star uh, run, isn't it? Uh, yeah, with Wasp, and that and that has um, uh, Doc. Well. Not, 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 not Doctor Douglas, but obviously a Douglas character and a Sanchez character, um, and they're cool. And, I mean, it, it's and, Ken Douglas rather than yeah. uh, Rick, and the, but it is Sanchez and Kim Nobles there as well, and, and, and th- yeah, and Thornton Reed's in it as well, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so and I, I thought that was really quite funny, and I like that, um, and it just made me think, yeah, this is what we wanted. We this is how to do golf, Mangy. <laughs> not, not like because the the, 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 the the interview. I don't know. I, you know, I could see that it was well written, and I was I could see that it was well performed, but it just wasn't working for me. And I, I have a feeling that pretty much was it as far as Channel Four were concerned, and that wholeness and IORD split up didn't they at that point more or less that their comic partnership was was over um yeah there was talk about a movie but it, which would and have, the, and, and they did a bit of writing but not much and yeah. yeah it just fell apart well i mean i think that's a shame because garth Marenghi itself has gone on to be like a, a proper cult classic hasn't it and i, I like i um i've seen writers you know, lambast, lamb, uh, like criticise uh, lambast other writers by by saying, "Hell, oh, he thinks he's a, a author, dream weaver, and visionary." <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, th- I think Garth Marenghi's entered the popular lexicon. It's just a shame that. Well, like many cult things, it's done it in such a way that it didn't actually lead to success for the creators or recognition for them. It actually, um, yeah, they had to do something else that really wasn't wasn't as good. And then, um, and then, I don't know, it, it, it just fell apart. So you, you just got this these six episodes and that's almost it as far as Garth Marenghi is concerned but but you know I actually think that's for the best though um as much as I like the series there were a couple of episodes that I thought were a little bit weaker um for me the uh skipper the eye child um (laughs) it has some great moments but there's a couple of uh, one that is the Graham Linhan episode, so maybe I'm a bit influenced by his appearance. But there's a couple of uh, weak Move rape on. jokes about the actor not enjoying being raped by the giant eye. and Oh, yeah. yeah. <sighs> that just sat a bit. I just thought, yeah, that hasn't aged too well. The Apes of Wrath, I think it's half a really great episode, and it's the second half that works for me. The first half is drags out and takes it a bit too long to get going. Okay. What I want to ask you both then, I'll start with you, Alex. Favourite episode? Favourite episode? It's a difficult one. And I think I might have to go for possibly it's, it's Hell Half Fury. I just think Alice Lowe is really strong in this episode. There's a lot of really great, strong physical comedy, like the sort of floating objects and Sanchez has a gun but the gun attacks him uh, and then it's a lot of comedy based around the making of the series as well 
Thornton, uh, Dean Lerner going on about how they use slow motion because the episodes are running so sort of under and they had mm. to drag out the running time. So I think the mixture is they really trying great. Trying to avoid dialogue. Yeah, that too. So I think it's a mixture of really great uh, episode of Garth Marit of, of Dark Place mixed with some of the best sort of interviews. And uh, I mean, one point Dean Lerner has I, the line, I call Garth the awesome worlds of horror. And that's not just because of his weight. And I think <laughs> that's so mean, but, uh, but it makes me laugh as well. Okay. The bit I love in that episode, actually, because I'm going to pick this same episode. Oh, and, dear. Uh, Do you know so, what I'm going to do? Because you're going to pick that episode too. Yes, Hell Hath um, <laughs> Fury is the best episode, isn't it? But what I love about the slow-mo thing is is they do the slow-motion thing where Rick is running. Mm. And he's running in a really stupid, slow-motion-y sort of way anyway. And then they slow it down. And it, it yeah, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. Okay, it's also a great the other running thing, the other gag. Thing that, of Dean being able to unuse, able to use the phone properly, like he picks it up and then he starts speaking before he's picked it up, and I just really like that. There's 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 lots of stuff to do with actually uh, Dean Lerner's sort of general. I mean, and this is happens over the series as a whole as well, but it, mostly it's around him and the fact that he's a bit rubbish and there's lots of continuity errors around his particular character a lot mm. of the time. And after a while, you pick up on that, and then you you, you start realizing that that's a, an additional joke. Um, and uh, to a yeah. point later on, where it's mentioned that I can't remember which episode it's in, but it's mentioned where it's, it might be the ape one, where Rick is mentioned how many bullets he's got in his gun, and instantly they do that. You know, you're counting how many bullets there are and how <laughs> ridiculous it's all going to be later. But I, I just wanted to point out. It's really cool because I was watching this on my tablet with my headphones on. And it is completely amazing how much effort has gone into making this bad to the point where if you listen to it with your headphones on, you really pick up on all of the the nuances in the sound and the way that they there's lots of ADR stuff that is of a completely different level and quality that that is obviously to pick up on some often a continuity problem or where they haven't explained something right but but also it's i think the music is fantastic and i just want to make a big shout out to stig stig barsvik who actually isn't that isn't his name at all um i forget the composer's name because i haven't looked him up but well they're, they're well, based oh, based on tunes originally whistled by garth Marenghi. <laughs> i love that as well because i love that that's that is um, firstly a um, fact that he can't go uncredited for it, can't let himself, anyone take credit for anything <laughs> else. Also, that's a massive great big nod to John Carpenter um, as well. But yeah, but the, the whole sound thing, apparently there were, there were bits where um, they also recorded the sound and then the sound editor would pull the tape out, wouldn't it? do various things to it and wind it back in in order for it to sound dreadful. And and I just, just love that the, the sheer amount of effort that's gone into, into just making it bad. And, and it, pays it becomes off, funny in, in itself. Yeah. Andrew Hewitt, by the way. Yeah, that's right. Mm. 
Yeah, I thought the first aside, but I thought the first episode, the music is actually quite almost uh, Twin Peaks esque. Uh, There's a so, lot of Twin Peaks influenced music in this. Yeah, I, I felt especially the first episode, less so as it went on, but every so often they'd be like, oh yeah, that's. And it would normally be over an emotional scene, which was supposed to be, you know, showing poor Rick in a you know, suffering, and that would be when it would be most apparent to me. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right, the music and all of the sounds in general, a lot of care and uh, has gone into it. And I think as well, some of the bits, and again, we're talking particularly about the the episode we all love, um, when they've got the, um, the, the the various implements that are hovering around in in, in the air, you can see the wires, and obviously uh, Dean Lerner comments on that. But they've done it to a point where it's bad, but not really bad, if that makes sense. So they've done it where it's it's, it's passable enough. Like if that was in a eight seventies or eighties Doctor Who, you might forgive it. But it's yeah, it's, yeah. But it's, you yeah, forgive it. it, it, <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's not that. It's not that awful um i think you're right it's awful enough and i think that's why chris mentioned this uh very a while back but the the moment with liz floating in the air and screaming actually almost doesn't work because it is disturbing it, it's too yeah. well filmed uh it's the one scene in the episode where oh, that's actually or in the whole series that's actually quite <laughs> freaky and uh but yeah. in some ways i, I makes me love it more so um there's quite a good effect isn't there uh, like a makeup effect where uh, sanchez gets an, uh, like burnt by an iron um so so uh, mm. and throughout the series that the, 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 there are actually some quite good sometimes comically exaggerated sometimes not makeup effects and special effects um and and by mentioning john carpenter you've reminded me that there are some 80s horror films I do actually quite like <laughs> those ones <laughs> and, and, and there's another nod to John Carpenter in the music again on the Scotch Mist one well the fog um, I guess it's the fog isn't it which, which yeah, is not, not but, one of my favourite uh, John Carpenter but there's films, also but, but, but it's a bit it. it's a little bit Halloween-y the music as well although you could say it was just generally John Carpenter basically yeah. a lot of his stuff sounds very similar but that's not to say I don't like John Carpenter and I do love this John is, Carpenter I love his music so a massive um, aside yes. isn't isn't Ennio Morricone credited with the music for the thing but he didn't yeah. do it it was actually John Carpenter who did it <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe he did do it but the but the original tunes were whistled by John Carpenter or oh, something like that isn't it? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah okay um do we have anything else we need to cover on this? We've been wishing on for a while now. Uh, I mean, well, we've, we've been in... I think the DVD extras on? are pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, the two half-hour documentaries were made two years later, uh, around the same time as Man to Man, but they just work so well, and they do capture everything that's great about the series, and, and the characters feel really like, how they did two years prior and as yeah i think it's just a rare case where a lot of care has gone into the dvd extras and the new material is just as good as the actual original series 
so all i uh, wanted to add yep. quickly was that um obviously in the very first episode you get a shot of all of um garth's books so i just thought hmm. i would read read the titles of some of those books so you've got slicer slicer four the ooze black fang which is described in one of the episodes about the is it about the squirrel that drives the car or something that sounds good i'd read Thin that boy <laughs> crab with two explanation marks dawn waters don't know what that's about i saw juggers afterbirth and dead center uh, i've got go. one extra which you didn't mention okay go on uh, which is Ripper, but as in R oh, yes. I yeah. dot P. And I like yeah. to imagine that's about a robotic Jack the Ripper. Uh, <laughs> that, that's probably the case. I just like to, to add a piece of possibly useful information that um, you you can watch Garth Marenghi on all four, I believe. You can you can do the, the Channel Four streaming. Service. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would well, highly recommend hunting down the DVD though if you can find it because of all the the extras are great. Mm. Alex has already said it's in nearly every charity shop I've gone into, so hopefully it shouldn't <laughs> be too hard to track down. <laughs> that does, that's that's not an amazing recommendation, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people loved it so much they bought multiple copies and then they thought it's selfish to hoard it, and then they <laughs> I think so. they want to share the love. Well, Peep Show Series Two is almost in every uh, charity shop as well, and that's really fantastic. So people already get the sentiment. Well, no, isn't that because every time there was a new Peep Show series, there was a new box set. So, so people had just ended up with um, like giving away the early series because they had them again in the box set of like series one to fifty or whatever, however many it ended up with in the end. So, yeah, like, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, um, not a problem that Garth Marenghi sadly ever ever came across. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I think we'll wind it up there. Alex, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It was great to meet you. Um, Thank you. Yes, it was lovely to meet you. We must do this again. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, so, yeah. just, just, for, just for the listeners at home, Chris and Paul have been friends with Alex since school. <laughs> yeah. so that's why we're all laughing. I have no um, memory yeah, of so that Alex, whatsoever. Do you, <laughs> do you want to uh, let us know where we can find you on the interwebs yeah uh, you can find me at uh, comedy to watch.com and i'm also on twitter at comedy to watch and uh and yeah it'd be great to see you as it were fantastic Brilliant. so so paul if you're you know while people are obviously all going to do that they can also come and find us on the um on the world wide web as well can't they yes they can and they should do that before going to anything of Alex's, and in fact, <laughs> Alex's at all. Um, so you, you can find no. us on Facebook, where, where we're on Very British Horror, and you can find us on Twitter at, at Very Brit Horror, and you can email us at verybritishhorror.gmail.com. You got that wrong. Um, and during this episode, I also tweeted um, Alice Lowe to ask why Madeline Wall was not in the. Uh, yes. Commentary bits, and she has not replied. That's a shame. Um, that would be great if she had. Probably because <laughs> that she really has. would have been. <laughs> well, I was, I was, the whole thing, I was looking on Twitter going, please answer. But obviously, she has young children and is probably in bed by now. I, I, and it could also so, be like, 
So you also might not want to relive a, like a particularly traumatic professional experience. <laughs> that could to be, be fair, <laughs> to be fair, just to briefly defend her, uh, the she was involved in the tenth anniversary interview that was with Matthew Holness and Empire's Chris Hewitt, and only had positive, happy memories of. Uh, I, I don't. Theories. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think there's there's any story behind that. I think it's just that they they're just trying to show the misogyny of the two main characters but anyway we've talked about that um, yeah but yeah i know alice alice Lowe has replied to my tweets before so i'm <laughs> aware that mostly no, in, in when replying to her <laughs> tweets <laughs> so yeah but she's replied back so that's that's cool okay great well until next time i've been chris denton and i'm still paul monk goodbye and um, the other bloke was Alex. Bye. Bye.